Hello, and welcome to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey. On this week's episode, we're going to start the story of hope for Amy. Amy is a woman that I met at a foster care training who lost her children to the foster care system and worked hard to get them back. It's an uncommon story to hear. Unfortunately, most parents don't work the way that Amy did. This is her story told by her. A little bit of background, I guess, on my addiction. I guess it started off probably as recreational use. You know, in high school, I smoked a little bit of weed, drank a little bit. Alcohol was never really a big thing for me. I, I couldn't get past the taste of it, honestly. But I, I started off smoking a lot of weed, and maybe my junior, senior year, cocaine. I, I can remember, like, finding some cocaine that my stepdad had had at the house. I remember sneaking through my parents' stuff and, and coming across this bag of white stuff. And at the time, I didn't even know what it was. And the friend that was with me was like, that's the most cocaine, I, you know. And, and so that was the first time I had tried it. And, and so I started stealing little bits of it like that. And I'm only, I think, like, years later, you know, just a couple of years back, I, I remember telling my mom, you know, when you were married to that guy, um, I was stealing cocaine and she was just like, they he had no idea, you know, he had no idea. But I think it, it kind of, I guess, progressed from there. Um, sometime when I was probably 17, I tried methamphetamine for the first time. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And by the time I was 19, I was probably using it daily. I graduated high school barely you know but my I think the addiction really kicked in for me like after high school I, I used prior to that but like I said it was more of a recreational thing once I graduated high school I moved on had an apartment I was working but I was also selling drugs you know I found that if I wanted to use drugs I could use them for free if I could sell a little bit you know so it kind of started there and then the boyfriend I had at the time, he wasn't really so much into drugs. I mean, he meddled with it here and there with me, but that wasn't really his thing. He he was an alcoholic or, you know, he drank a lot anyway. And I guess that's, we, we were a great couple, but that's where we kind of grew apart. I liked to do drugs. He liked to drink. Eventually it just kind of, it just didn't work out with us. So we went our own ways. I ended up moving in with like a friend of a friend. It was basically kind of like a flop house, a dope house. I started doing a lot of drugs there. I um, hooked up with someone that taught me how to manufacture methamphetamine and it went all downhill from there. I ended up within like just a couple months catching a manufacturing case. I went to jail in a different state. I think that's when like my, my dad found out that I was using that there was like a serious problem. He knew I smoked a little bit of weed, but he had no idea that I was like, you know, deep into this whole world of, of craziness. And so he bonded me out. He got me this lawyer and, you know, I got off on probation. At that point, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I was enjoying using, I guess. I was enjoying the thrill of it. it my life just kind of started to become chaotic. At some point, it kind of was like, ah, I don't really like this anymore. Like, you know, I wanted, I was, I was in my early 20s and I wanted something different. Like I wanted a normal life, but I was kind of in this downward spiral of like getting so far away from everything that, you know, how could I ever get back to that? And then I met someone who didn't use drugs. He had previously used drugs. He, he was a recovering heroin addict. And we started hanging out and he was like, look, I will never go back to that. It, I was a terrible person. You just, I would be embarrassed if you knew who I was then. 
And so we started hanging out and I started like enjoying spending time with this person and we were having fun and it had nothing to do with drugs. And so I was doing less and less of the drugs and and it was crazy to me because it was like, man, I'm, I'm like having fun and, and it's not about drugs. And so then I ended up pregnant and like things were really good for a minute. And I don't, I don't really even honestly know like where it went wrong. He started drinking again and then he started using again and then he went to prison. And then I had this one-year-old baby. Daddy was in prison and I ended up like moving in with my mom and, and I had a job and I worked and he was in and out of prison and you know things were kind of okay normal i was still using but it wasn't as chaotic as it had previously been i wasn't getting in trouble i was you know raising my son and then he got out of prison and ended up getting murdered it was he got out of prison and I'm, i mean this is a kind of a tough one for me so he was in prison for about a year and a half he got out of prison and i had gotten picked up just a couple days after he got out on some warrants, some traffic warrants and like drug paraphernalia, some petty things. And so I told him, he's like, how can I get you out? So I told him to go to, um, I sent him to my dope man's house and I was like, go there and this guy will tell him, you know, who you are and tell him that I'm in jail and he'll help you get me out. And so this guy was like, hey, if you go buy these, these pseudoephedrine pills, I'll, I'll buy them off of you, you know, for X amount of dollars a box. And, uh, then you can have enough money to get her out. So he did, and he, he went and he got these pills and then he got the money and he got me out of jail. And then he was like, oh my gosh, he's like, that was so easy to make that money, you know? And, and so he started doing it all the time. And then at this point, like we were using, obviously we were using, but it was a toxic relationship. And like, he would be really crazy about me. And then I was just like, ah, and then it would be, then, you know, it would switch. And then I was like, okay, no, I want us to work this out. And then by then he, you know, it was just, it was just complete chaos. He kept going and, and trying to hustle these pills and, and trading the dope man for money or for dope. And then I was just like, this has got to stop. Something bad is going to happen. I can just tell you that, like, this is awful. And I went to the dope man and was like, hey, you got to end this. This is, this is going to end all bad. I just have this bad feeling. And two weeks later, he went down to the city to try to get somebody to buy him pills, and these two 17-year-olds shot him in the head. That was like a really low point for me. I felt all this terrible guilt. I'm like, man, he would have never been doing that if I hadn't sent him there, you know? If I hadn't told him, it, w it was just, um, it was bad. And so the only thing I could do to not cry every day was to get high. And, you know, I had been getting high for years, but prior to that, I was getting high I mean, I guess you could say recreationally, but it had, it had be, I'd become dependent upon it. But it, I didn't really ever use to like numb my feelings or, or anything like that. I just did it because I liked doing it, you know? But now it was all I could do to keep the tears from coming. And so I got high all the time. I was never neglectful to my son. I was always, you know, I made sure he had the help he needed. I was really in on getting him in counseling and this and that for his dad, but I was so like focused on that that I didn't take care of myself. I mean, I was grieving too. And instead of dealing with it, I just got high and then I got high and then I got high and then I couldn't afford getting high anymore, you know? And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to do something to make more money to be able to afford getting high like this. And so I started selling drugs again. If I got this much, I could, you know, sell a little bit of it and then have, you know, and, and so it just... You know, I never really, it was just like at that point all, it was a tunnel vision. Like I just needed to get high so that I didn't have to feel this pain and um, whatever I had to do to do it. And, and if I felt bad about it, then I would just get high so I didn't have to feel bad anymore. And so I started 
selling drugs and then you know it just progressed from there and then it was like all at once I had this money and, and I was able to take care of, of bills and this and that and I had met he's my husband now but you know at the time and um, we were we were both addicts he, he kind of he was a heroin addict I was a methamphetamine addict I never really went I mean I had messed with heroin a little bit but I was never really addicted to it physically like it was I didn't like to go down I like to go up you know so at some point I think being high got old but it was all I knew how to do and then there was the money like I was addicted to making the money that the drugs brought in you know and uh, my husband and I sold a lot of drugs we had we would get new hookups and you know it was just complete chaos always complete chaos our relationship would be toxic and we would fight about things and it was just complete chaos you know there was there was good times there was bad times but like at one point I remember my son being like maybe eight or nine and he would be like where does all of our money come from and you know because he didn't see us ever go to work and he'd seen people coming and going at all hours and you know he was too young to really know but like something was off and he knew it and so my he's my husband now but my boyfriend at the time you know we were like man what what do we you know we got to do something like he we can't he's just going to think that like money is just there, you know, and that's not how it is. And so we had talked about like at that point, that was kind of the first time we were like, okay, maybe we have to figure out a different way to live, you know? Um, but we didn't know how to, I mean, for the last almost 20 years longer for him, that's all we did was sell drugs and use drugs and finding the ways and means to get more, you know? So, I mean, I had graduated high school, but after that I started getting into drugs and selling drugs and and I had maintained a few jobs you know I mean like I waited tables um, you know I had one job for about four years and then I got into manufacturing dope and minimum wage jobs or serving jobs and and I've lost a couple jobs you know in the process I mean and I, I had a really good job I I was at the, I, my son was little at the time and uh, it was when my addiction really started like I started doing things that I'm shameful of now, you know. I worked for this really great guy. It was at this this sandwich shop, this Quizno shop. The owner was just just a really genuinely good guy and he really trusted me, you know, and and he put me in charge of his store and I stole from him, you know. And and that's that wasn't me, but like it was that's you know things that I'm shameful about. Um absolutely, like I lost that job and I and to this day I still think, man, you know, like that really bothers me. That man trusted me so much. And when I look back now, that's that's one of my biggest regrets was stealing from him and doing what I did. You know, obviously he fired me, but I think about that all the time. Like, wow, that was really a low point in my life that I stole from this guy who who fed me. I went through a couple jobs. There was another job I had at this grocery store and I was selling drugs at the same time, but you know, it was one of these things where it was like I wanted to do something different with my life, but I didn't know how to. And so this job opportunity came and it was a minimum wage job, but it was something, you know, it was it was what normal people did. They worked for their money. So I went there and I worked, but I was still selling drugs. And so I would take all my drug money and I would bring it into the store because I would have all these $20 bills and $10 bills and all this. And it was just like insane. So I'd go in there and I would trade it in for bigger bills. And I wasn't stealing from the, the store. I'd learned my lesson before and, and the guilt that that brought me. So, but instead of having all these $20 bills, I would cash them in for $100 bills. And uh, the store owner was like, 
he caught on and he's like, this is not okay. You're bringing your dirty money in here. And, you know, and they fired me. And at the time I was like, what an asshole, you know, like I wasn't stealing from him. All I was doing was making change. What's the big fucking deal, you know? Um, Oh, and I was so mad about that. But like years later, I got sober looking back on it. And it was like, what was I thinking? Like, you know what I mean? Who does that? You know? Well, how I, are you supposed to explain? Yeah. And he's like, they know what they pay you. Well, yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and, and I think it, he was, oh, he was so mad. I'm screaming at me. Where's that dirty money coming from? And I'm like, it's none of your business where it's coming from. You know, I'm not stealing from you. And that's all you need to know. And that's not how that was. That's not how you, that's not how you. Well, I'm pretty sure if yeah. you dig, dig deep <laughs> enough, that probably probably reaches towards a laundering charge somewhere. Yeah, well, that's what he told me, and I went home and Googled it, and I was like, no, like, laundering, actually, he, he tried to say it. But I'm lucky I didn't catch a case over that. Like, absolutely, I'm, I'm super lucky uh, that I just was able to walk out the door and let it go. But uh, I remember going home, and I was, like, almost in tears, and I don't know if I was it was shame or it was anger or it was a little bit of both. You know, that was... I'm trying to think, was there any more jobs that I had lost due to my addiction? There probably were, but those are the two that stick out the most to me, you know, because I did, I was doing the wrong thing, I, you know, and I, and I justified it, totally justified it. But, but moving on from that, so with my son, you know, he's like, where's this money coming from? And, and that was the first time my husband and I had actually talked about, like, maybe we need to div- live a different way. I mean, if not for us, for, for our kid, you know, and so... Well, it wasn't his kid, obviously, um, you know, my son's father had, had passed, you know, but anyway, so I'm in this relationship now and uh, we were selling drugs and we wanted to do something different, but we didn't really know how. It was all we knew how. And so we had talked about living differently, but neither of us had a degree. Neither of us, you know, what what were we going to do that, that could support our family? How would we start to do that? Like, we didn't even know where to begin at all, you know? And, you know, he was a heroin addict, so it wasn't like, I guess, you know, quitting for him was a little different than it was for me. He, there was a lot more of a physical period for him, you know, and, and he would try, you know, he'd be, he would try several times, you know, oh, I'm going to quit doing heroin because like the, um, I mean, we had, we had, we had a lot of money coming in, but I couldn't tell you probably more than I could even imagine, you know, um, because at one point, and this is so crazy now looking back how I didn't know, I don't know. I, so I get pregnant and I'm pregnant. And I think at the beginning of our relationship, he wasn't using heroin. Um, we were both just using speed, but then I'm pregnant and like, I, like I said, heroin was never really my thing so much. You know, I, I'd used with my son's father a handful of times. Um, but I never really liked it so much, but so I'm pregnant now I'm pregnant with my daughter and I'm noticing like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd get up and and my boyfriend would be at the kitchen table like asleep and I'm like get in bed what the hell is wrong with you you know he's like head hanging down and then um there was just things that were like off and and I don't know I was just stupid pregnant I guess maybe didn't see but then one day I found this burnt spoon in the sink and I'm like what is you know what is this like I didn't have a tolerance for heroin it really pissed me off which was stupid because I was an addict I was shooting up methamphetamine you know I was shooting it up when I was pregnant and he would be like oh so and so was over here and uh and he was and I'm like well he doesn't use like you know he's a tweaker not and then um one day I was just like I went in there and he's sitting at the kitchen table and and his head is hanging down and he's scratching his nose and and I'm like okay look I know what's going on here. I, I don't know how I've been so stupid for so long, but I know that you're using heroin and we need to talk about this. He's like, you're right. He's like, I've been using, it's, it's a serious problem. I thought I could handle it. Um, in the past he had used, and then he actually had went through a drug court program years before and ended up getting clean. And then 
you know, in the midst of selling drugs, it, it, somebody's like, oh, I'll trade you this, or however it happened, he, he started using it again, and he thought that he could just use it here and there, but it became a problem, and so he's like, it, it's a problem, and I don't know what to do about it now. I've been lying to you for several months, and I've been using every day for several months, and you haven't known, and I've been spending a lot of our money on it, but it was drug money, on, you know what I mean? So. Um, he really wanted to quit and he had tried a couple times and he tried Suboxone and, and um, it, it just, it, nothing worked, you know? So now I'm like nine months pregnant and I can remember, actually I think it was, it was after I had my daughter that I, I confronted about it because I can remember like in the delivery room thinking, I'm like pushing the baby out and he's standing there and my mom's looking at me and she's like, he's falling asleep. And I'm like, looking at him and he's nodding out while I'm having my baby. And I'm like, but I'm just thinking he had been up all night, I was in labor all night. And so I, I'm not, I hadn't put it together yet, you know? And I think it was a couple weeks after she was born was when I was, I guess, and I guess the pregnancy did make me stupid, I don't know, because after she was born, I think that's when I was like, okay, wait a minute, this is this, you know? And he's like, you're right. You're right. I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm addicted bad again and, and I'm using it daily and I can't go one day without it because I'll be s seriously sick. And so at that point I knew about it and I wasn't okay with it, but it was better than him lying to me about it constantly. You know what I mean? And we fought about it a lot with the money. And so it was like, sometimes I felt like it was a double hustle, you know, we didn't, to support this habit now. Like I said, I'd used through my pregnancy for the most part of it. I, I'd cut back a whole lot and not that that justifies it, but like I was shooting it daily. And so now I'm pregnant and this is a big deal. You can't use drugs and be pregnant, you know? And so it was like, well, I'm gonna just wean myself off. And so instead of doing, you know, a 40 cc shot, I would do like a 10 cc shot. And I would just do like, you know, a fourth of what I would normally do. But I did it up until, I mean, I was probably seven months pregnant before I quit you quit using and so like the last two months of my pregnancy it was like no I can't do this and and honestly though the reason for that because I wanted to do it there were several times I wanted to do it and he was like no you no, like you can't do this you know and that was because I knew if my baby was born with drugs in the system that they would take her away and that was like the ultimate low for me like I would look at other people and I, and I was judgy then you know like I would always be like you know I may be a drug addict I may use daily but look I've got my kids and I take care of my kids and the state doesn't have my kids and and so that was just like the ultimate thing for me, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. So I, I quit using just long enough that there would be nothing in her system, you know? So she was born, we went home and no, I was very fortunate. She's very fortunate, you know? Um, she was born perfectly healthy, nothing in her system, but that, that was probably all luck, you know what I mean? We were very, very fortunate that me using drugs and I went, and I, you know, I was shooting it up. I mean, I, I started off, when I started using methamphetamine, I started off just smoking it. And I was always like, oh, I'll never use a needle. I'll never use a needle. You know, and then you, I was around people, and they're doing all the time. Curiosity. So at like 23, I think I used a needle for the first time. And the first time I shot it up, I never went back to smoking it. I don't think I ever smoked it again after that first time I shot it up. Not once. People, if, if it was there and I didn't have a needle, I wouldn't do it. I would just not use. I would wait until I could shoot it up. I didn't, it, that's how much, it, it was just crazy. So now we have a baby and we're still selling drugs and we're like, we didn't want to live that way, but now we're just in so deep and he's addicted to heroin now and I'm addicted to making this money by selling these drugs and I'm addicted to the drug too, don't get me wrong, but like at this point now I have no veins left. I can't shoot up in my arms, I can't, I'd, I'd and you know, there's, and there's so much like that I, I mean at one point, Probably within the first six months, maybe not even that of me starting to shoot dope. I always, there was always somebody there that did it for me. I never knew how to do it myself. And the very first time I remember um, this person and I weren't, 
you know, around each other and I wanted to get high. And I was like, well, I'm sure I can figure this out. And so I fill the syringe up with methamphetamine and I stick it in my arm and I push it in and nobody told me it had to be in a vein. I just went with it. And I end up with this huge abscess on my arm. I end up in the hospital for like five days. Damn near lost my arm over it. They had to pack this wound. It was awful. And like three days after being out of the hospital, I'm doing it again, hit the ground running, you know? It was, it was just insane how, how it was a whole other ballpark for me when I started shooting it. I mean, so we've got a baby and, and we had got a new trailer, you know, we had to get a bigger mobile home because now we have another member of the family and this two bedroom isn't cutting it. So I used the drug money that I had and we bought another mobile home on, and on the same property. It was just getting out of control. Like our relationship at this point was really toxic. We were constantly fighting. He was coming and going because I would be like, get out of here. I would be so mad. I'd, you know, I'd get up and he'd be like at the kitchen table nodding out or he'd be standing in front of the dresser you know, like swaying back and forth. And it just disgusted me. Like I just couldn't even handle that. And it was so like, so hypocritical, you know, because I wasn't doing the same thing, but I was, I was just as big of an addict, just with a different choice drug. It got to the point where like, I'm like, you got to get out of here. And he would go stay with a friend, but he was always a really good dad to our daughter. You know what I mean? Really good dad to her. And like, he wasn't going to be without her. So he would always come back. And so this one night, we were in this huge fight, huge, huge fight. He was sleeping on the couch at the time. Um, and it's like late at night. I mean, middle of the night, four or five in the morning, maybe. And uh, I wake up and I notice that he, I get up to get a drink or something. And I notice that he's not on the couch. And um, we have like a detached garage that's maybe 50 feet or so from the house. And uh, so I look down there and the lights are on. And I'm knowing, you know, that he's a heroin addict and he's down there by himself and, and that we had had this big fight, so I'm worried. And I'm like, man, I better go down there and check on him and make sure he's not overdosed or something because that was like my biggest fear. He's going to overdose. And I think that's why I would get so angry when he would use because my son's father is dead. And it wasn't an overdose, but it was, in a sense, drug-related. And so I'm like, I'm not going to have two kids with no, you know what I mean? Both of their dads dead. And so I think that's why the heroin scared me so much because, you know, people are dropping like flies from it constantly. So I wake up and even though we were in this huge fight, I'm like, man, I've got to go down there and check on him. You know, I love him. And so I grabbed my jacket and I went to the, sh to the garage and I go in there and he was like, hey, I'm just whatever he was doing. You know, he, he's like, I was just down here thinking about things. It's like, anyway, so we kind of talked for a few moments, real brief. And he's like, listen, I'm just going to wrap this speaker wire up and then I'm going to come up to the house and we'll lay down. He's like, give me just a second. And so, and I had maybe been in the, in the garage with him, not even five minutes. I mean, and all at once we hear this boom, this huge noise. And, and we looked at each other and I'm like, oh my God, what was that? And my first thought is, I mean, I don't honestly even know what it was. I was just like, there's this huge noise that came from the house. And so I turned to go to the house and my phone rings and it's my son calling me from the house. And it's, I'm like, what in the heck is going on? And then like seconds later, boom, the garage door bust open and, and the cops were raiding the house. And, um, so they take us back into the house and they're like, you left your kids alone. And, and it was like, yeah, I did. But literally I was 50 feet away. I had just walked out to the garage. It, they were both sound asleep. You know what I mean? And anyway, so they raided the house. Um, and at the time, like I had a lot of methamphetamine in the house. Um, my boyfriend wasn't even aware. I mean, he knew I was selling it. He would help me sell it too, but it was mostly my thing kind of, you know what I mean? I was the one that knew the guy that we, you know what I mean? And, and so, like I said, he knew what I was doing. He knew I was selling drugs. He was selling it too. You know, we both were, but 
the meth was kind of my thing. Heroin was his. And so they, he had a little bit of heroin in his pocket, like not just a couple little beans enough, you know, for his own personal use. And so they find that on him right away. They cuff him. They bring us up to the house. And then they're like, oh, you left the kids alone. And I had this dog that had just had puppies. And so they were like kind of kenneled off in a corner of the kitchen. So they, they sit us down on the couch and the kids are there and they're scared to death. My daughter was like one and I guess they had must have, there was a baby gate in front of her room and I guess they must have, some, some, somebody lifted her out of there. And so by the time we got up to the house, she's kind of like crawling around on the floor and my son is just like terrified. He's like 10 years old and he was just woken up with guns in his face and them screaming, you know, and he, he's just like looking at me like, oh my God, oh my God. And so they sit us all down on the couch and they raid the rest of the house and then they're like, well, we're taking him in because we had, he had heroin so they cuff him and they put him in the cop car right away and then they're like and we're calling dfs then they found they went in my room and they in a coat pocket they had found like i don't know two or three ounces of methamphetamine it was a lot you know and um like i said he knew that i had some dope in the house he had no idea that i had like three ounces in the house so they take him to jail and then they call children's division and i remember like i knew i i remember well i went into my son's room and he's in his before they sat us on the couch, my son was like in his room and I walked in there and, and the cops are raiding the house and, and I'm like, I need to change my daughter's diaper. I remember picking her up and her diaper was soiled. And so I go and I change her diaper and I sit her in her bed and then my son is in his room. So I walk back there and uh, he's, I said, call your grandma right now because he had his own cell phone at the time. I'm like, call your grandma right now and tell her to get here. They're going to take you guys into foster care. And, and I thought that if my mom was there, that maybe she they could go with her or something, you know? And so he called her and he's like, He's like, he calls her Baba. He says, Baba, the cops are at the house. They raided the house. Can you come here and get us or we're going to go into foster care? And so like she, um, I guess it was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming. And she's about 30 minutes away. And so by now, like children's, the cops have called Children's Vision and they've shown up and they're like, you need to pack each of your kids a small bag. We're taking them. Thanks for listening to Hope for Amy on Foster Care, an Unparalleled Journey. We'll be back next week with episode number two. This is a rare opportunity to see the viewpoint of a biological parent whose children have been taken into foster care. I really appreciate her open honesty and vulnerability in being willing to tell this story in order to try and help others who find themselves in a similar situation. Please share this episode with anybody that you think might enjoy it, and be sure and go by and check out our website at jasonmpalmer.com or the Facebook page at Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey. Whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or any other podcasting service, please take the time to leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out. next week on hope for amy and this was like the ultimate low for me because i had always said you know i may be a drug addict i mean this but at least i still have my kids and now here it was here was my rock bottom my kids were being taken and as always if you know a child in danger of being neglected or abused contact your local law enforcement agency your children's protective service in your area or 1-800-4-CHILD. That's 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-A-CHILD.